ShareCare is the leading online health and wellness engagement platform, providing millions of consumers with a personal, results-oriented experience by connecting them to the most qualified health resources and programs they need to improve their health. It's time now for ShareCare Radio on RadioMD.com. Here's your host, Dr. Daria. Hi, this is Dr. Daria, and we are back with ShareCare Radio. I have with me Dr. Carmen Mohan. She's an internal medicine doctor, and she's a member of our medical review team here at ShareCare. Carmen's going to talk us through the four critical numbers you should know and understand by the time you're 40 in order to maintain your health for your 40s, 50s, 60s, and throughout. Carmen, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I want to first talk about your background. What got you interested in these four numbers? Well, I've treated patients across the healthcare continuum. I've started than primary care clinics. And right now I work in acute care hospital patients. Mm-hmm. I've also seen patients after their hospitalizations in rehab and on into hospice. I have to say those patients who are currently living independently and are 90 years old are the ones who paid attention to their numbers. So these four numbers are going to keep you healthy when you're in your 90s as well. Huh? That's the idea. Excellent. So and why is 40 the sweet, age, sweet spot age to start paying attention to them? Yeah, 40s when we start being really invested in our careers and our families if we've decided to start them. 40 is also the time when we let our health kind of decline mm-hmm. and some physical changes are happening as well. Our metabolism slows, for example, and those genetic things that we're predisposed to that may not have reared their ugly heads just yet are kind of working their way in. Yeah, that's true. 40 is when things start to settle a little bit. You're working harder at work and you're body isn't a 20 year old anymore. Just from my experience, I can tell you, Daria, that it's my strong belief that if you can prevent a heart attack, the way to do it is when you're 40 to be really proactive in your health and really good about diet and exercise. But it's just when we don't have the time or Mm -hmm. attention to pay to it that causes these problems. Right. And it can be overwhelming to know what to pay attention to. So this is really important to know. Here's the four things that are really worth your time. And a lot of them will make you feel better now, too, right? You don't have to wait 50 years for benefit. Absolutely. Six months to a year. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, let's just jump right in. Number one, what's your first metric that you want people to pay attention to? Blood pressure. I've chosen blood pressure because... It can creep up on you very quietly. There are no symptoms necessarily. And in the South, here in Atlanta, we call it the silent killer. Mm-hmm. It's true. We have people at very high level. So what goal do you want them to have? Well, let's just say blood pressure is the pressure your end organs feel with every heartbeat. Mm-hmm. When the heart contracts, you get the top numbers. We want that to be 90 to 120. That's called the systolic uh, blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And then when the heart relaxes, your end organs feel the diastolic heart um, mm-hmm. blood pressure, mm-hmm. which is anywhere between 70 to 80 would be considered optimal. What are the end organs? The brain, the heart itself, Uh, The kidneys, that's what we really think about as physicians. Okay, and you want it to be lower because if that pressure is really high, then that means every single heartbeat, your brain and your kidneys are being... You know, essentially pounded. Being face pounded with being this pounded. high pressure, yeah. which over time really makes a difference. Just think about it. Every mm-hmm. heartbeat, it's pounding. Yes. No, that, that, that gives me a headache. <laughs> so how do you find out what it is, what your pressure is? You can go to any healthcare provider, mm-hmm. sometimes even fire stations will have mm-hmm. them. Uh, 
in grocery stores will have them. They even have ones you can take home from a, a pharmacy. And you just sit down in a chair for about a minute with your back well supported and let the cuff inflate, deflate. It'll tell you what that number is. All right. And any specific tips? If your pressure is high the first time, maybe get it. make sure you get it rechecked a couple times. Or if it's high, time to make that appointment with your doctor. You know, I... I'd go into the doctor as soon as it's mm-hmm. higher, higher than 120 over 80, basically. Okay. I would take it very seriously. The physician should decide how frequently it should be checked mm-hmm. and whether or not medication is right for you at that time. Okay. And let's just talk really quickly on that. Do they typically start you with some diet and lifestyle recommendations? Because those can really help your blood pressure too. You know, really, that's uh, individualized. I'd mm-hmm. say I'd just talk to the physician about what's right for you. Okay. Perfect. And then moving on to your number two, what is the next number I need to know? I'd like everybody to know their BMI or body mass index. Mm -hmm. A body mass index is basically about our body size and how our weight is distributed along our height. Okay. Um, So moving from something we can't see, like blood pressure, to something Mm -hmm. we can see Mm -hmm. every day, Mm -hmm. why it's important to look at this, over time, it kind of creeps up. and You might not see it in the mirror from day to day. Mm -hmm. So I would say everybody needs to start checking their BMI with the change of seasons. Really? So you want it done four times a year? Four times a year. Okay. Now's a good time, right? All We're right. changing from summer to fall. Yes, Now's I a good time. So. How can people calculate their BMI? You know, the formula is actually very easy. It's your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. Now, mm-hmm. that sounds kind of complicated. <laughs> they have a lot of online calculators. You just Basically, made me go metric. Anyone mm-hmm. would do, but you can go to ShareCare and, and type in BMI and it'll remind you what that, what yes, that is. Yes, that is true. Absolutely. Go to ShareCare.com and if you type in the search bar BMI, you'll get some great articles on how to calculate your, calculate your BMI so you don't have to sit there. Unless you love using the metric system, <laughs> then feel free. All right. And what goal? range should we should have so for optimal health we're looking for a bmi between 20 and 23 okay that's to keep folks well away from what's considered overweight which is a bmi of 25 so again if you today you went ahead and calculated your bmi Mm -hmm. write that down and when fall changes to winter write it down again Mm -hmm. Next year, we're coming mm-hmm. back up on the same amount of time. If you've noticed that you've changed from a BMI of 22 to mm-hmm. 23, that's actually a big change. Yeah. It's bigger than just those two pounds or four pounds that sometimes we gain and lose over the course of a year. Cool. It's something to take very seriously at that time. And why is it such a big change? Because it doesn't seem, one point doesn't seem like a lot. Why is it? Just think of it's spread out over your entire body's height. Mm-hmm. So, it's basically a hallmark. Something has changed. You've changed something in the way that you're living. Either you're sitting too much or mm-hmm. you've dropped off on your exercise or not. You're taking in maybe just 200 calories, a, a little bit more in a meal, maybe a new snack you've introduced, sodas you've introduced, mm-hmm. something. Something is just a little bit off and now's the time to correct it. And I like this, checking it four times a year because you, like you mentioned, a lot of us notice you know, things. our size may start to creep up. You don't really think about it. You have to really give yourself this reminder four times a year. I'm going to recheck it and see if it's creeping up. Sure. And why with the seasons? Notice you'll be in your closet changing what you're going to be wearing. Mm. It's a great time to think about what your BMI is. All right. Perfect. Now, what about with BMI? I hear a lot, you know, somebody's more muscular that can 
throw off your BMI, right? Or does that matter? It's a really good point, Daria. You know, with people who really feel that they're more muscular, I would say checking a weight, a waist circumference mm-hmm. is a is a great way to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I actually do have some numbers for you on that. For men, a waist circumference should be 40 inches or less, or if you're dealing with the metrics, uh, metric system, 100 centimeters, mm-hmm. with women less than 35 inches or 88 centimeters. Now, if you're one of those people who's of Asian descent in particular, there's mm-hmm. some good data to suggest those numbers are way too high for waist circumference. Really? In, in Asian men, either South or East Asian, it doesn't matter. Uh, those men should be less than 35.5 inches or 90 centimeters. And for women, it should be 31.5 or less than 80 centimeters. Hmm. So in terms of how to measure, just feel for where you feel like your pelvis starts, mm-hmm. right above like that your hip bony bone. Hip. We, we physicians call it the iliac crest. Mm-hmm. You want it to be snug. Don't suck it in. Don't suck it <laughs> <doesn't> in. Count. <laughs> you have to be relaxed. Okay. And don't compress the skin when you're checking. Okay. Keep the tape parallel to the floor. It's a little bit harder to do, mm-hmm. which is why I always say BMI is uh-huh. easy to calculate. But if you really feel like you need to know, mm-hmm. waist circumference is actually more predictive than BMI. Interesting. Okay. And you made two really important points there. It's one that you want your your BMI or waist circumference to be within the goals. But even if it's within the goal and you notice an increase, that should also still get your attention. It should get your attention. That's your chance to be proactive Mm -hmm. because you're still healthy at that time. Mm -hmm. You're still within the healthy range. But I'm telling you, those patients who are living well and living into their 90s healthily, Mm -hmm. they, they took every chance to be proactive about their health. Okay, well, there you go. Now that's BMI and waist circumference. What's number number three? Number three is HDL or high density lipoprotein. Mm-hmm. It's a form of cholesterol and it's essentially a proxy for how much exercise you've been getting. Mm-hmm. And I focus in on this particular form of cholesterol rather than the full panel because the panel can give some of my patients a headache. Yeah, it's a lot of numbers. And HDL is also known as the good cholesterol. It's often. known as the good cholesterol because if it's higher, mm-hmm. it's better. Okay. This is the one number of cholesterol you want to be higher. Yes. Okay. So what number do you want? Anything lower than 55 is bad news. Okay. And it's been demonstrated that optimally greater than 60 is what's preferred. In fact, greater than 60 will lower your heart attack risk by about 25%. 25%? Yes. And you get an A plus if you hit 70. That lowers your heart, um, heart attack risk by 50%. Wow, that's huge. Absolutely. So you can cut your heart attack risk in half. By paying HDL. attention to this. That is amazing. Okay, so HDL, not as easy to measure. It's a blood test, but still not a big deal, well, right? Well, this is that checkup I'm, I'm recommending mm-hmm. by 40. Okay. So you get all of these metrics in one visit, okay. and then you could have an action plan Okay. From starting from there. So start first with a checkup and get these numbers. You get your blood drawn, you get your BMI calculated, and then you can go and monitor it yourself as far as the Absolutely. BMI Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, as far as specific tips for these, we're going to get to that at the end. I just want to, we'll keep moving through there, but HGL, as far as cholesterol, that's what you want people to be paying attention to. Yes. And right. if, if I could just make a recommendation, yes. if you're not at 60, then what I want you to do is exercise at least 30 minutes a day, five times a week. That's just the recommendation that all of us are supposed to be getting. So if you're not doing that, which we would be my guess, if you're lower than 60, then you need to start. And if you're 
if you're doing that and your HDL is still lower, it means you need even more. So I'd add an hour per week if you're not at that point. Wow. It just okay. means that you have to work harder. Now, in addition to exercise, is there any impact that diet can have on HDL? You know, I, at this point, I, I don't, I see HDLs specifically related to exercise. Okay. Exercise is the demonstrated way in the literature to get it up. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would focus ex- just on exercise if you're thinking about your HDL. Okay. And a level above 70 will cut your risk of heart attack by 50%. 50%. Yeah, I need to go get my HDL. With that kind of numbers, I mean, if you, anything that cuts your risk of something bad by 50%, I will. that's worth your time and money. Okay, what's number four? The last one is the most technical. It's called a hemoglobin A1C. And I'm interested in it because it's linked to the precursors of mm-hmm. diabetes. So mm-hmm. we're talking about people who don't have diabetes, but whose risk for diabetes can show up in this number. And hemoglobin A1C is a glycated hemoglobin. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we have glucose or sugar Mm -hmm. in our body. It attaches to proteins. Mm -hmm. Hemoglobin is one such protein, and it's in our red blood cells. Mm -hmm. The red blood cells carry oxygen to our tissues, to our cells, and to those end organs, brain, heart, the kidney. So the red blood cell allows glucose freely into the cell, because it needs it to, right. to keep going, mm-hmm. right? And so the glucose becomes attached to hemoglobin exactly proportionally to the amount of sugar that's in the blood at that time. Okay. So it's hemoglobin A1C is a proxy for how much sugar is wandering around in your whole system at any one time. And of course, people may do a snapshot of the sugar by getting you know a blood glucose sugar, but an HbA1c or hemoglobin HbA1c is going to give them a much bigger picture. About six weeks worth Mm -hmm. of information in in one A1C. Okay. And typically we get this, people with diabetes know what an HbA1C is. You're saying people who don't have diabetes should still get it? Absolutely. And the reason why is you can be what we call Mm pre-diabetic. You can have glucose intolerance, which is, it just means that your cells are not using glucose in your body as well as they can be. Mm -hmm. So you want to get down to some numbers? Yeah, sure. Let, what do we need to know? The goal is to uh-huh. keep an A1C less than 5.5. Okay. Glucose intolerance is considered between 5.7 and 6.4%. So that's why I'm saying let's stay below 5.5. It keeps you well away from mm-hmm. that abnormality. Full-blown diabetes is considered 6.5%. And there are a lot of different, I don't know, specifics about this lab. Mm-hmm. If it's over or under, there, there can be things about you and the way that your red blood cells work that don't make these exactly right. But mm-hmm. for most people, this is where, where it is. Okay. Now, so again, when you go get that yearly check, you want them to be getting, checking their HbA1c. At least once okay. when you're 40. Now, do you have to do this? Say somebody's very thin and otherwise healthy. Do they still need to get their HbA1c? So, so listen. These are the four. You got to do them all. There's an interplay between all of them. And if you're very thin, that's great. If you have a blood pressure, that's fine. That's just great. Mm -hmm. If your HDL is where it needs to be, fantastic. However, you just never know when you're that person who's predisposed. I had a patient, for example, happened to be South Asian descent, came in. All the the first three metrics were perfect. Mm -hmm. He was shocked to find out that his hemoglobin A1C was 7.5. Wow. Now, so to, to the points we made before, mm-hmm. his waist circumference was about 110. Okay. So he was keeping all of that 
mm-hmm. weight, like right around the center, mm-hmm. you know? And he just, he just really took this to heart. We did have to medicate him and treat him for diabetes, mm-hmm. but within the year, we were able to get him off of all, all of the medicines he took wow. because he, he started exercising like crazy. Mm-hmm. He started watching his, his diet. He was truly a remarkable patient. That's fascinating. And I want to get to some more tips like that. But again, having these higher HbA1c levels are going to raise your risk of heart attack, stroke, kidney disease. As soon as we're talking about diabetes, we're talking about damage to tissues on a, a, a way we can't see. And mm-hmm. it just creeps up over time, which is I'm trying Mm -hmm. to prevent that creep by acting now. And again, like blood pressure, you may not always feel it. So why, which is why you need to get it. And, and in fact, if you don't have diabetes and you fall with glucose intolerance, you're definitely not feeling this. Okay. Only way to know is get checked. Okay. So in our last few minutes, I want to talk about those tips. Like that patient that was able to come off of his medications, what were the things that he did? The first thing he did was he insisted on regular office visits with me. He came in every three months like clockwork. He took his medications every single day. He amped up his exercise. His um, exercise of choice was working on the treadmill. He did the night shift and he would come back from his shifts and run four miles on his treadmill. Wow. That's hard after a night shift. That is really hard, Mm -hmm. but that's that's the level of dedication Mm -hmm. it takes when clearly that's a genetic predisposition mm-hmm. to diabetes mm-hmm. he just uh, he he was uh, he owned an Indian restaurant mm-hmm. that was what he did and he changed the the restaurant's menu oh so he made his based on what healthier. his nutritionist told him to do good for him <laughs> so I think he made his community healthier he did. In, in the, you know. passing it forward bigger effect so exercise and if somebody can come off a night shift and then go run on a treadmill most of us can find time to do it, but finding the time to do it. You said 30 minutes, five days a week. And, and it can or, start, or more, or if, more if you have least. to, based on the numbers. And if somebody's not a regular exerciser, just walking and just getting moving itself is beneficial, right? Absolutely. If you've got a desk job, after 45 minutes, stand up, walk around. Okay. All right. Yes. And that's another thing is mm-hmm. not getting sed- sedentary all day For long. too long. Mm-hmm. Getting up, walking around. Okay. Diet. Let's talk about nutrition. He went to see a nutritionist. Is that what you recommend for most of your patients? Absolutely. I, I think with this number, it's so important to get specialized attention. If mm-hmm. you're going to be proactive about it, I think that a nutritionist even just once a year Mm -hmm. to stay on track with it is important. Okay. And do you advise most people, you can give them suggestions or they talk to their doctor for suggestions for nutritionists to make sure they find somebody who really is good and knows? You know, I actually, I think most nutritionists would be fine. Yeah. I I don't think you have to get all... Okay. Yeah. Worry about that too much. Okay. And actually, AND is one of our partners. They have an, they're an association nutritionists and dietitians. So great resource. All right. Can I tell you one more thing? Yes. Let's say you go in, all of your health numbers are fine. Mm-hmm. When you hit 45, you got to do it again. Okay. Okay? So maybe this isn't an issue for you. Maybe you're, everything's fine for you. At 45, you got to do it again. Okay. So here are the four numbers you need to know. Blood pressure, BMI, HDL, and HbA1c. Check them when you're 40. And if any of them are off, you know, you've got to do something about it immediately. But if they're not, check them again when you're 45. And then if anything is up, 
if anything is wrong within six months to a year, if you are very proactive, you have every chance of staying optimally healthy for a long time. Stay healthy now and 60 years to come. Carmen, thank you so much for joining us. You can find more from Dr. Mohan on her profile page at sharecare.com where you can follow her. Don't forget to follow us at Sharecare Inc. on Twitter, hashtag Sharecare Radio. And you can find me at Dr. Daria on Twitter as well. This is Dr. Daria for Sharecare Radio on Radio MD. Stay well.